welcome back to the Working on the Dad Pod. Today, we are working on the diet. Let's get to work. I'm Alex, and with me as always is Ethan. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm all right. It is a a day that I wish I could diet from responsibility, but unfortunately, that is uh, not, not a thing. Uh, nothing bad happened, folks. It's just it was just like a long day with regard to uh, work and lack of sleep, and um, you know, just long commute. So, uh, um, in my current role, I am required to go to the office one day a week, and uh, the metro in the DC area today was just not doing what I needed it to do. So, kind of smacked um, you upside the head. <laughs> almost, almost. Not this time, though. It just uh, was a little slow and um, uh, definitely uh, was annoying. So especially yeah. in the uh, 90 degree heat with uh, high humidity, it's just and all in my dress clothes with a heavy backpack. Frankly, there's yeah. just a, a lot. Um, wow. I am wondering, did I accidentally leave my umbrella on the metro? If I did, that would stink. I'll go. Yeah. I'll have to go check. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Love we'll be that back <laughs> for his umbrella. Uh, but yeah, as I mentioned today, we are working on the diet. But first, let's get to wins and losses. Ethan, why don't you kick us off with your wins so, of the week? I've got a uh, a combo. Um, it's uh you know it's summer. Things are dirty. Um, you know, our, our house is kind of uh, a mess. In our most recent episode, we talked about, um, you know, their stuff, our stuff, community everywhere. spaces. Everywhere. Everywhere. And um, so that's kind of like a loss because it, you just feel kind of um, gross and meh when your place sure. can feel like a pigsty. But the win is one mental health treat that my wife and I splurge for once a month is we have an amazing cleaning lady who comes in once a month, and that day is tomorrow. It's my favorite day of the month. And she basically does everything that we don't like doing. It's all of the like intense floor cleaning, cleans the bathrooms, um, does the windows, and basically like sets resets us to zero, where like mm-hmm. we can just maintain for the month and like Granted, yeah, we're not going to be able to find a couple things, but honestly, it's our fault for not putting it away beforehand. Um, sure. But, and, and, you know, like, you know, that's, you know, slap on the wrist. We need to be better. But, like, everything's always found uh, within a day or two. And frankly, it just, like, I am at, so I'm really just truly at peace um, when she leaves. Like, the house smells good, the house looks good. And in my mind, I'm just like, all right. Just, just keep it manageable. Um, however, she is going on a vacation next month, so we won't get to see her until September. But uh, I will, I will keep that in mind as we go through life. What about you, man? Yeah. What's your, what's your win? Mine is the future peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, my my win this week. So on Saturday, we were building furniture, redoing the kids' room. Mm -hmm. And it's time for nap. And really how the weekends have gone with this project has been, as we talked about a few episodes back, my wife kind of takes the lead on this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm more of a beta. (laughs) 
And so what that has led to is most of my weekend is involved because my daughter hasn't been here, has been involved, has involved just hanging out with my son, keeping him out of her way because he is in a mama, mama, mama phase. Like if she is around, he wants her. And so that means like I've shifted around my workout schedule so that I could go to the gym because mm-hmm. they have childcare on Saturday mornings, um, going to events at the library, like music in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's July, it's Florida and he's not even a year and a half old. So we're not going to be going to a playground, right? Sure. Yeah. Not going to be something that we are going to do in the middle of the day, but nap time is the reprieve slash nap time is the time that we can both work on the project, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's nap time and after bedtime. And this week he did not want to go down for a nap. I think he had fallen asleep for like 10 minutes in the car at some point on one of our excursions and did not want to go down for a nap. And my wife was like, okay, either you can come in here or I can text you how I want these lines painted on our kids' walls. It's like a white background and then like sort of like there's six stripes. It sort of looks like a rainbow, but they're not all completely. It's like coral and like mm-hmm. orange and like that kind of thing. So it's not quite true, like red, orange, yellow, green, blue. But she's like, I can explain how you tape this up and how you paint these lines, or you can come in here and try to get him down. Mm-hmm. Well, I went in there. I tried singing to him, tried to get him down. The only thing he wanted to do he would fall asleep on me, but then he'd wake up as soon as I put him in the crib. So I just laid down with him on my chest. I got the, I napped a little bit, but I luckily had my AirPods in. So I was listening to an audiobook, and then I got to sit there with him on my chest. And that was my win because I know you get to sleep with your youngest a lot in the morning. So that's a very common routine for you, mm-hmm. but that is not, my son has not really ever been much of the, like, I'm going to fall asleep on you kind of guy. Mm. He does that a lot for naps. And I just remember sitting there thinking as I was listening to my audiobook and making my grocery list with my one free hand <laughs> that mm. like, I'm like, I'm going to miss this, you know, because it's, it's, it's not going to be forever that he's going to fit up here. That he's going to want to do this. You know, once we get this room done, he's going into a floor mattress as part of the bunk bed, you know, so he's done in the crib. He's done in our room all that stuff. So that was, that was my win getting to enjoy that. Yeah. The, uh, um, cuddles and uh, chest sleeps are um, pretty great, especially they, at that they, age. They make up for the temper tantrums at that age, for sure. They do. They do more than what's your, what's your loss for the week? Um, you know, my, my loss um, is just that things have, uh, I just felt like super, tired and out of sorts this last week. I know that's kind of like not really like a specific loss, but it's just, it has just been hard to just have uh, the energy to just like enjoy a moment of, of peace. Um, you know, we went from uh, the walking pneumonia strep to like just a weekend of um <clears throat> you know, a continued nebulizing, then like back, back to work and then more, um, uh, additional follow-up doctor's appointments. Um, 
just like later, a late, it's how, it seemed like later bedtimes, which meant later chores. Um, I try to stay up with my wife for the nighttime pumping. Cause I don't want her to like be up alone. So I just, I have just felt, um, exhausted. I was supposed to be off from work tomorrow, but I'm probably gonna have to log in for a couple hours because of, um, some new responsibilities that are coming with the new job that, and deadlines I was unaware of. So honestly, yeah. I, I just, I just, I just feel exhausted and, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's a, um, like a cop-out answer, but I just need a, I, I just need like a moment of serenity. If that yeah. Makes sense. yeah. So, so for you know, me, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no. So I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow's win. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well for me, my loss was today. One of those days where, because my mother-in-law is away for the summer, that takes away some of our like afternoon childcare. So it's just mm-hmm. my mom and my mom does picks my son up three days a week from school, which is great and helpful and all that stuff. But that means two days a week I have to pick him up and we only have him scheduled to go till three, which means I have to mm-hmm. pick him up at three o'clock Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Yeah. And so today I drop him off. And he does the thing that he rarely does. And I'm sure most parents can relate to this, but he does the thing where he starts crying and like reaching for me and saying, dad, 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 over and over again and not wanting to go in. And usually it's like, open the door. Hey man, you ready to go? And he's just marching right in. Like he owns Mm -hmm. the place. And he was not about that today. And so that always sort of tears out your heartstrings. But then, When I pick him up in the afternoons, I switch up my schedule because it makes my mornings just a little less regimented to go to Mm. the gym with the kid or kids, whoever I have with me in the afternoons because there is childcare starting at four Mm o'clock and I'm going to have the kid anyway. And it's like, we could have them in the house and they could be pulling out toys and creating the mess that we talked about last episode, or they could be playing with the gym's toys, <laughs> creating sure. a mess there. Someone else, also, yeah, someone else is going to clean that up. my workout, you know, yeah. versus the morning's just a little bit easier. Everybody's in a little bit better mood. He's not as tired, worn down from the day. But we get into the, we get into the childcare area and it's somebody new that he hasn't mm. done before. It's usually like one of two people and they both know him really well. And quite often at that time of the day, he's the only kid in there, you know, or one of like two or three at most. And so they know him. He knows them. He's super comfortable today with somebody new. So I got double the dada tears and Mm -hmm. I got double that action of wanting me and like having to like walk away quickly. My daughter used to do that all the time. And I was like conditioned for it. My son never has that problem. And then when it's time to go, he's always like, Oh great. Dad's here. Let's go. (laughs) It's just both ways. I'm like, I don't know what I did to deserve that. But today was an anomaly. I would say, I would say we have at least one of those bad um, drop-offs uh, at least once a week with my oldest daughter um, at preschool. The younger one doesn't really care that much. Um, you know, she she'll sometimes start crying if she doesn't like where I like placed her, or if like one of the teachers is like feeding another kid and she doesn't get immediate attention. But like she gets over that very quickly. It's my older yeah. daughter where once a week she will 
um, really not want to be there. And it takes me forever to get rid of, like to, to get out, out the door. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. It takes me forever to get rid of say her. It. Rid of Just her. say yeah. it. And, um, you know, sometimes she's okay. If I'm like, look, like I'm late for work, I have a meeting. Sometimes she just doesn't care, uh, which is frustrating. Um, and, uh, cause you know, part of it has to do with, I think is still, you know, even, even though it's been about a month, uh, still just different teachers, different room after having the, the same room and teachers for 18 months. So, um, yeah. I will yeah. say for us, it's one of those where the way the daycare is laid out, there's one door in and one door out mm-hmm. and we don't go in. And yeah. granted, we didn't, you know, we didn't start this daycare until after COVID. I don't know if this is a COVID thing or a not COVID thing. We've been in the school. Like when my daughter had a birthday, we went in, did cupcakes with her class. They've had parent events and we've gone in the school. But on normal like car line drop off stuff, you take the kids to the door and the teachers are there to greet you. Like there's always a teacher and I think they just change shifts or whatever mm-hmm. and get the kids in or get the kids out, right? It's like you come to the door, they see you, they go, okay, we're going to bring your kid out. Like they know who you are. Mm-hmm. They got it memorized by cars, all that kind of stuff. And so with my oldest, if she's not feeling it, we can do the, you got to be brave for little brother thing. Can yeah, you hold his hand? Right. And then they walk in the door together and then the door closes and I don't have the passcode to the door and it doesn't matter. Like it's, <laughs> it's in God's hands now. Right. Yeah, that's so, so that's, so our, um, our school had uh, COVID protocols where you walk the kids to the door, they would do the temperature checks. Then they yeah. take the kid and shifts up the elevator. Then, you know, now we walk into the door and honestly, like, um, you know, we kind of got used to the fast efficiency of the drop at the door drop off. So now like, you know, you have to build in that extra time to, for me, um, they have a two level, um, preschool. It's the top two floors of this building. And now that my daughter is in the four-year-old classroom, cause she's almost four, it's two rooms or two floors that I'm like doing and drop off, drop off every morning. So it, uh, it adds quite a bit of time. Um, you know, it's, it's more efficient to be able to go in and get them at pickup. Whereas, whereas it used to be, you know, same situation. You, you wait, wait for, for the them teacher. to come down, um, in yeah. shifts and like the same teacher, whoever's doing like the, the drop, uh, like the, um, the wrangling the kids, you know, you have to wait for them to go to all the rooms. So like, you know, it's it, pros and cons each way, but, uh, definitely, um, sounds like your school opted to stay in the COVID protocol and it seems to be more efficient. So that's nice. Yeah. But I, it's also one of those things where I don't even, again, we weren't there before COVID. So I don't know if it was a COVID protocol or if it's just, you know, a, it's a, it's a smaller school. Right. And so I think there's only like six or seven classes total in the whole school mm-hmm. and it's all just one hallway. Right. So all the kids are going down one hallway. It's a one story building, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so I think, that makes a difference. We've mm-hmm. had my daughter in, this is her third different daycare. Um, and the first one, like you said, take them to the classroom. Also one story because Florida, like there's not a ton of two story buildings sure. that don't need to be, but take them to the classroom. The second one, it's actually a like infant through eighth grade. It was mm-hmm. a church school. 
And mm-hmm. so we would walk her up to the door of her classroom, but it was outside, like next to the parking lot. So we didn't mm-hmm. have to walk through the hallway. So it's a, every single one's different, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it gets a little easier when it's just like, if I just get them over the threshold, the teacher can close the door and then I don't have to see the repercussions. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyway. Hey dads, are you tired of the same evening routine, dinner, maybe some playtime with toys that get left everywhere, brushing teeth and then bed? Next time, pull out a Wongo puzzle and do something different that you and the kids will enjoy together. Wongo is the perfect balance of a good challenge without being so hard that you stop talking to each other and leave your family forever. Trust me, once you try Wongo, you'll never go back to a boring old jigsaw puzzle. They're 100% wooden puzzles. They'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I'm partial to the animal designs like the sea tortoise and the elephant because my kids get excited about them even more. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have to have it on the table for a week. Forget about it. Maybe get fruit pieces all over it or something like that. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com, pick your puzzle today, and be sure to use the promo code WOTDP to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to wongopuzzles.com and use the code WOTDP to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Anyway, today we, as I mentioned earlier, we are working on the diet. So this is this is sort of one that I've been wanting to do for a while, but we agreed that we would wait because this is our 10th episode and we would wait for our 10th episode. And so we wanted to talk about this a little bit because it's sort of, you know, our, our name is meant to be a little bit punny, you know, working on the dad pod versus working on the dad bod. But also because it was something that we were we were brainstorming ideas for this episode as a way to talk about our own journeys with dad bods. I think we are both currently the proud owners of dad bods, and I think I speak for both of us to say we'd love to change our physiques at least somewhat to varying degrees. But Today we're talking specifically about diet and we wanted to break this up and in a couple of weeks we'll talk about exercise, but honestly, it's something that I could talk forever and ever and I'm going to try and stop myself from getting too wordy on this mm. stuff, but it is something that you know we all deal with when you become a dad and maybe you don't deal with it if you if you don't deal with this and you've never dealt with much weight fluctuation or weight gain after becoming a dad or at any point in your life, like kudos to you. Um, but it's something that I've dealt with my entire life. And so to kick us off, I thought that I would go through a little bit of my story and my history with dieting and weight loss in my relationship with food. Because frankly, up until maybe a year, year and a half ago, I don't think I recognized how unhealthy my relationship with food had been. And I have gotten to a much better place now, which is where I'm speaking from about this issue. But 
when I was in middle school, we're all, we've all been through middle school and we've all been awkward in middle school because that's the law of middle school. You have to be an awkward human being. Mm-hmm. I was kind of chubby. Something that I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast is I've had three open heart surgeries. I was born with a congenital heart defect. And I had one of those in sixth grade. And I was, because of these factors, I was not always the most active kid. So I was a little chubby. Um, I, I don't think I've ever gotten to a point where I've been listed as obese, but I was definitely a little chubby. And in middle school is when you start having periods, you know, like separate periods for classes and you start changing in the gym locker room. Yeah. Ethan thought I meant something else. Like not, yeah, not I, definitely, I definitely thought you were going through the menstrual cycle, which you also lots of times starts in yeah, middle school too. Yeah, but, um, the, yeah. For half the population, not, sure. uh, not yeah. the locker room I was in though. But <laughs> right. You start changing into and out of gym clothes. And there are definitely some, you know, jerk kids who, you know, made comments about various people. And I was definitely one of them. Um, and so it made me self-conscious. And let me just say by ninth grade, I was ninth grade. I was about five, nine in ninth grade. I'm five eleven now. Um, so I was probably five, eight, five, nine in ninth grade. And I decided to go on Weight Watchers, right? Like not like going to meetings kind of thing, but like both my parents had used Weight Watchers to lose weight at various points. Cause this was like at the peak of Weight Watchers popularity, right? And I decided to, they had all the manuals and books and tools and things there. And I was like, I'm going to go on Weight Watchers. I'm going to figure out, it was when they were using a point system. I'm like, I'm going to figure out how many points I need, all this stuff. I was like five, eight and 120 pounds real thin because I was so determined that I needed to be skinny, you know, and this is the, this is the early 2000s right? Like just after the turn of the millennium. And I think like being super skinny was like very in vogue at that time. And so I was just like, I'm going to be real thin because that's what healthy is. Looking Mm -hmm. back, it was not very healthy at all. It's not very healthy in my mind now. Like if one of my kids, you know, my parents, all credit to them, but like they patted me on the back, applauded me, you know, and granted, did I have some weight to lose? Yes. Did I need to lose that much weight? No. And did I need to go to such extreme measures to do it? Probably not. But then I, you know, I go through the rest of high school. I don't stay on Weight Watchers. I don't stay real thin. I'm, I'm probably real thin for a couple years. And then like senior year, I've got a normal 17, 18 year old body, get to college. And I probably gain a few pounds over freshman year, you know, call it the freshman 15. Like I was working out, but I didn't understand much about how to work out. Like I was a kid that played like baseball and golf and tennis. Like, so I wasn't like in the weight room ever. So I didn't understand any of the principles of what I was doing when we got to college. Sophomore year, we were living together in a fraternity house and myself and another fraternity brother, we decided we were going to lose weight. And I had probably 15 pounds that I said I wanted to lose because I set my goal weight at 160 pounds. 5'11", said 160 pounds is what I need to be. And I was 175 pounds. And over the course of one semester, and then I dropped about 10 pounds. And then in the summertime, I was interning at Duke University. 
and I had free access to their gym. And I only had three hours a day that I had to be at this internship. And so I was going in the morning before work and I was lifting weights for an hour. And then I was working for three hours and I was going back to the gym and doing an hour of cardio to get off those final five pounds that the difference between 165 and 160 to me was the difference between being a lard butt and being in shape, right? I just remember it in my mind. Like if I get here, I'm a good, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. Maybe not that extreme, but like that's how it felt in my mind. And of course, again, going to a bit of an extreme did not stick. It was not tenable for me to work mm. out two hours a day for the rest of my life. Um, and then so I was in grad school. I was up at St. John's. I was working in the athletic department. I started gaining weight again. I had moved in with my girlfriend, now my wife. I don't actually think she she has always been a fairly healthy person, but I don't think it was the moving in. I think it was the working in sports, a lot of late nights, and a lot of free food. You know, you work a basketball game, there's pizza. There's a lot of pizza. There's usually more pizza than you and the media members can eat. And so I was downing, you know, big fat New York slices, gained weight. And once I gained weight there, then that was the first time that I started counting calories, right? Like I tried to eat healthy. We had a chef in our fraternity house. And so I didn't have as much control over my diet when I was in college, but in grad school, I was like, okay, I'm an adult now. I'm living on my own. I've got control. And that's when I downloaded my fitness pal, started counting calories. And I think I whacked the thing up to lose two pounds per week. Sure enough, hit my calories, lost the weight rapidly, quickly, it didn't stick. Mm-hmm. My wedding, I decide, okay, wedding time, I'm going to look great. Once again, and we're talking probably, you know, four or five years later, I'm still like 160 is the goal. 160 is what I need to be to be worth it. And mm-hmm. so we do PNEX, me and my wife. She's always been skinny. She's always been in shape. She's a personal trainer now. She's added some more muscle, but like she's never had high body fat percentage at all. We both do it. She wants to add a little bit of muscle and I'm following their pre-prescribed nutrition thing. Do I get down to 160? Yes. Do I keep it off? Probably a little bit longer than previously because I was actually incorporating better training and like a better foundation to my diet. Um, But once again, it didn't stick. And, you know, now we fast forward a bunch of years. I've done the calorie counting on and off and on and off and on and off. And about a year and a half ago, my wife was getting a certification in nutrition for what's called intuitive eating. And I can link in the show notes to her podcast because she has her own podcast. It's not what I necessarily recommend for our audience because it's called Not Your Mama Podcast. And she's a specialist in prenatal and postpartum fitness. So a lot of her stuff tends to revolve around birthing people and moms. And so it's not going to be, you know, this isn't a recommendation for that, but she does have some information on intuitive eating that would apply to everybody across all walks of life. And she has some other things about actually alternative methods that I can get into later of counting calories besides just using a calorie calculator and maybe like what, but 
she gets into this intuitive eating and she starts talking to me about it. And I recognized a lot of flaws that I had always had of like eating because I'm bored, not necessarily because I'm hungry and I'm not in tune yeah. with my hunger. Overeating. Let's say I got a whole pizza in front of me. I will keep going and keep going and keep going and I won't slow down. I will eat so fast that by the time I'm done with five slices, I feel stuffed and kind of in mm-hmm. pain and I'm getting the meat sweats. And if I just slowed down and ate three slices, I would have been satisfied. I would have felt good. And so all that stuff. And I decide then and there, I follow a bunch of accounts about intuitive eating on social media. My wife has a course on it that because I'm a web designer, I built the course. So of course, then I watched the course and I learned more about intuitive eating and I'm trying to focus more on healing my relationship with food. And that was a big deal for me of like figuring out how I can eat for satiety, but also intuitive eating isn't just like only eat fruits and vegetables because that's what's going to make your body feel good. It's like, if you want chocolate, eat chocolate. If you want pizza, eat pizza, but like recognize that it's a craving, recognize that it's a craving, satisfy the craving and don't necessarily overeat and don't put it in some bad food category because then if it's a bad food and you get it, you're more likely to overeat because you've, Mm -hmm. This is no, no. And then you, you know, um, boomerang back and forth between like, oh, well, on Monday, I'm going to, you know, that, that old adage, right? Like, yeah. uh, I'm going to get back on my diet on Monday. Every Everybody's diet starts on Monday because like on the weekend, you you had a bad day or you had a bad mm-hmm. meal or you were bad. You know, that, that, that self thing. And I, I hope that some of the stuff that I'm saying – Cause I'm, you know, I thought a long time about this. I'm like, I hope this is resonating with some people because I'm like, the more I got into it, the more I realized that this is a very common, like these were very common things that lots of people, I can just tell you by the signups on our course that there are lots of people that have dealt with this issue and still deal with this issue. And what we're actually going to do at the end of this episode is we are going to talk about our weights and where we're going from here. But as part of that journey, I actually downloaded a calorie counter for the first time in probably five years because I actually am now in a place with like intuitive eating and some other practices that I've taken on where like, I'm not embarrassed by my weight. I'm not ashamed of my weight. And once again, I don't mean it to be like, my BMI is not sky high. I don't have a hundred pounds to lose here. So I'm not trying to shame mm-hmm. anybody that does. And I'm not trying to act like I am somebody who the doctors have always said, you really need to lose some weight. You really need to lose some weight. That's not my life. It's all, it's mostly vanity kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but getting to that place where I'm not like, like I have, there was beer in this mug before I finished it. You know, it's just like, I have a beer and I don't feel bad about it because like, it's something I wanted. Now, am I going to have three or four? No, but I satisfied the craving for a beer tonight. So that's my long winded. I know that took a while, but that's my long winded sort of journey to where I am now, which is more on an intuitive eating path, but there's some modifications that I can get into later. Ethan, yeah. what about you? So um, like you, uh, just a couple things uh, that you mentioned that I want to relate to. Um, I definitely uh, do not have a healthy relationship with food. I 
Um, don't know if there's an official term for it. You probably do and can tell me what it is. Um, like I don't have an eating disorder in the sense that like I'm anorexic or bulimic. Um, but I definitely have an eating disorder in like the opposite direction. I don't know if there is like an official term for that, but it's like, I, I overeat, I eat when I'm bored. I, um, I just, I, I, I love, I love food and it is, it is like a drug. Um, I also want to relate back to, um, I remember my dad, uh, got pretty heavy when I was a kid and, um, he'd always eat the leftover food. And my mom would refer to my dad as the garbage disposal. And I am now replicating that behavior because I realize as a dad, um, if there's not enough food to like put away, I really hate like wasting food. And if my kid's not going to finish it, I'm going to eat it. Cause I know my wife's not going to eat the leftovers, but I, I so I don't want to throw it away. There's not enough to like save for a future meal. So I'm just going to eat it. And there's like, that's additional calories and food and all that jazz. And I too am the family garbage disposal because like I go between the, like um, the, the fact that I do hate food waste. Like I, it drives me nuts. Like when I'm with people who go to a restaurant that leave over like half their food and they're, and when they're asked if there's like, if they wanted to go box, they say no, that like drives me absolutely insane. Sure. I, it, I, I, I like to the point of like internal rage that I have to hold back. Cause like, you know, the, our, our parents used to say they're starving kids in Africa, finish your plate, but there are starving people all over the world where you could take it into go box and you could give it to um, somebody like a homeless person on the street or an unhoused yeah. or uh, housing yeah. insecure, you knew all that stuff. So I did just want to touch on those things before I got into my journey. So, um, I was always a, um, a chunk. Uh, sometimes I've definitely hit the official obese, um, uh, scale. Sometimes, you know, that was because like I was actually in great shape and muscle weighs more than fat and BMIs are like not the best. Yeah. Um, BMI is kind of a shitty calculation. Yeah. Like, I, you know, apologies for the language, but that's, I, I feel that strongly. Right. And like for background, it's like you played high school football, you were mm-hmm. a tight end. Like mm-hmm. it was your job, at least in part to block mm-hmm. other large human beings with your hands. Right. Like there's a certain, <laughs> Most most NFL running backs who are cut and shredded are BMI obese. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, so it's, so yeah. So, yeah. BMI's trash. so I've right. It, it's it's trash, but I have definitely uh, been obese. Um, so uh, I have been the same height, which is a uh, um, a wishful five ten, more like five eight five nine. Um, since I was uh, in fifth grade, I have not grown vertically um, since fifth grade. I've definitely grown horizontally and outward. I used to say I just had too much sexy for my height, so I had to go out. It makes yeah. sense. Trust me. Don't Google it. Um, and I um, have definitely um, – but I, but again, I was also like an 88-pound, eight, uh, like a second grader. So I've always been just like a big kid. Yeah. Um, it got really bad when I, uh, when we graduated college in May of 2011, I had a job, um, that I didn't really like. And the, uh, day before I was going to quit in December of 2011 in of 11, I actually, I actually got fired. It ended up being great because, um, clearly it wasn't working both ways, but because I got fired, I was able to collect unemployment. 
anyway, ended up moving back home uh, with my parents um, and procrastinated packing and Googled college uh, or master's uh, programs in Los Angeles that don't require the GRE because I hadn't taken it. Uh, found one, started three weeks later. But anyways, I was now no longer unemployed at home, but I was a grad student at home. And I only had uh, classes a couple days a week in the afternoon and I needed something to do. So um, I was sitting on the couch. My parents actually were like, uh, we bought you a gym membership. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, So uh, that started in, uh, so in, in 20, in January of 2012, I was again, this uh, five, eight to 10 and um, 212 pounds. I was a fat person. Um, and I did not like that. I downloaded my fitness pal, um, a calorie counter that Alex had mentioned. And I too was like, okay, I want to do two pounds a week and I want to get to 175. Um, I would, my friend and I, uh, we called it fun employment, fitness unemployment. Uh, we would, uh, go to the gym. We'd be there like two hours a day, at least five days a week. Got to the point where I was taking the long jog. So the gym was a mile away from my parents' house, but if I went through the back roads, I could make it three miles. So I would run three miles to the gym. I would work out um, for an hour and a half lifting weights, an hour and a half to two hours. Um, Sometimes I would jump on like the treadmill to do like sprints at like the highest level, sprint, step aside, sprint, step aside. And then I would run the mile back home. So, and I was counting calories. So January, 2012, uh, I am 212 pounds. June of 2012, I am a sexy mofo 167. And I was able to maintain that, um, that weight, uh, for about, uh, five to six years, um, where I was in that 167 to 170 range and I was still working out five days a week. I was still ca- counting calories. I had some crazy binge days. Um, but ultimately, like, I was able to keep things going. And my mental state was just like, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. And I was always focusing on the calories. Uh, I fell into the same normal trap of I probably let myself go a bit once things got super serious uh, with my then girlfriend, now wife, um, where, you know, instead of waking up, before she woke wakes up to like work out, I enjoyed like cuddling in bed with her in the morning until she had to like go to work. And, you know, I'm also really bad at exercising, not first thing in the morning. Like if I don't do it right away, like every minute that goes on in the day is uh, less of a percent that I'm going to, I'm going to exercise. Um, so there's, um, but we're talking about food right now. Um, point is I, um, still today, um, you know, I am, uh, not where I want to be. Um, I can pretty much maintain my weight, um, as long as I do jog a couple times a week, but on tough work days or, you know, if the girls are homesick, I don't get that opportunity. I end up eating their food. Um, my wife is, for lack of a better term, a picky eater in that she doesn't, she doesn't eat the same like versatility that I do. So there's a lot more like carbs in our diet. And there, sometimes I, instead of like 
in addition to making rice, if I wanted to make cauliflower rice as well, that's just like more I have to cook. And, you know, I'm not trying to blame anybody but myself. I'm an adult. Um, but I definitely do not have a healthy relationship with food. I still overeat. I eat things I probably shouldn't. And, um, you know, uh, tell me, Alex, when you wanted to get into the, uh, you know, sharing our weights and our goals. Because uh, I, I can honestly just go keep going on um, – with this yeah. forever, just you know, so I don't, I don't want well, to. I, um, I, I would say you actually brought up something that I wanted to talk about, which is the the struggle of cohabitating with someone and then the kids. You you mentioned eating off of their plates, and that yeah. is that is a struggle. I think we've all been there, but it's it was actually something that my wife specifically covered in her intuitive eating course, and something that like I didn't even think about because it it really is that kind of thing, like it can add three, 400 calories a day. If you're eating, you know, especially if you got two kids like I do, they're eating, they got the same size portions. You know, my son probably actually gets more cause he's, uh, he's in the top of all the percentiles on all the sizes, but, um, that is one thing. And then cohabitating with someone when my wife and I first started dating for the longest time, she was actually vegetarian um, and she would, I would say she vegetarian. She ate some chicken. She would eat like poultry and fish, but then she cut that out and there was a lot of like ethical concerns. And when I first met her, she is, she is now a personal trainer, a certified yoga teacher, a certified Pilates instructor, a certified, you know, intuitive eating coach. She was not any of these things when I met her. Right. So it's not like fitness has always been, she's one of those people that was always just sort of like naturally skinny by like just having intuitive eating. Like the reason intuitive eating appeals to her so much as a teacher is because she's actually able to put a term to the thing that she's actually been able to do her entire life. Like I'll watch her like pour herself like chips into a bowl and not finish them. She's like, that's enough. And I'm like, I've never done that. I, up until recently, uh, like, I have to do it differently. I have to put a smaller portion in the bowl, right? Mm. Like I have to put a smaller portion in the bowl and make myself go back to get more and not pause. I do the same thing with the kids' plates. I pause now. Before I'm about to do it, I use that transition to go, am I hungry? And I get you on food waste because I don't know if I believed it or I was just using it for justification for eating more food or some combination thereof. But I had to put my hunger and my health first and foremost, as much as like I want to save the starving kids in Africa and, the, you know, the food insecurities that go on here in America. I had to put myself, mm-hmm. one, this plate is not going to feed them. I sure. have to understand that, you know, sure. In the very specific scenario, if you have a takeout box and you pass somebody that could use a meal and you give them a half eaten meal and they accept it, Godspeed. But my kids' plates, if they don't mm-hmm. go in the human disposal, mm-hmm. I never was called that term, but it applies. Mm-hmm. It can just go in the real disposal and like that's better for me. So I have to ask myself. But then the other thing that I changed that you just talked about was you talked about, you know, not having as much flexibility in your dinners because your wife likes certain things. And I've obviously been there. Um, but the recent change I made, so 
when I talked about the specific things that I focus on, one of the most specific things I focus on for a variety of reasons is protein intake. Protein intake is one of the biggest things that I do because it helps satisfy me. It helps like I lift weights three to four times a week. It helps me retain, build muscle. It also, you know, just helps me like the fact of the matter is like a gram of protein has five, uh, has four calories in it. A gram of fat has nine calories in it, right? A gram of carbs also has four calories, but all of that's to say, like, it's a lot harder to get, let's say you're using, you know, a hundred grams, nice round number, hundred grams of protein is really easy to get a hundred grams of carbs is actually like not that much. And so like a plate of pasta is going to have 300, 400 grams. And then you sprinkle hundred grams of meat on there. Um, so I've been focusing on the protein. I've been focusing on controlling my hunger and my snacking in such a way that like, instead of being like good foods, bad foods, I understand, you know, I'm like, I need protein. I've tried to turn myself into a protein monster. Luckily, my wife is now, you know, an eat everything type of person, you know, eats eats pretty much everything under the sun and is also focused on protein. And that makes it very easy. You know, she's trying to build muscle too. She focuses on protein. But the thing I did to make sure, because I have higher protein needs than her, is I focused on my breakfasts, right? I said, okay, what can I change about my breakfast to make my breakfast most optimized? Because that's the meal of the day. She's got a specific way she likes her oatmeal every single day. And I will say this to people like, Eating the same thing over and over again may sound boring, but if you find something that you really like and can, for lack of a better term, sink your teeth into, that can make weight loss or eating healthy or eating consistently or whatever much better. So she eats the same thing every single day. It's oatmeal, raisins, chia seeds, peanut butter, milk, and a couple drops of maple syrup, like maybe a tablespoon of maple syrup in there. Every day for breakfast with the exception of Sundays because that's pancake day. I eat, either I eat the exact same thing she eats and I throw in a scoop of protein powder or I have a thing and I alternate between these two. There's no decision making. It's like I know Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday are my breakfast casserole, which is two pounds of ground beef sauteed with little garlic, little onions, one of those 32 ounce cartons of egg whites, four whole eggs to get some fat in there. And then I throw in some mixed vegetables and I saute the beef, the onion, garlic, vegetables, and then I throw it in a like nine by 13 baking sheet with the egg whites and the four eggs like scrambled all together. And then I bake it at 325 for like 35 minutes and it bakes into a casserole that can cut into eight pieces and I freeze them. I pull it out. I throw a quarter cup of shredded cheese on top of that. Boom. Goes in the microwave. It is, I want to say I have it here in my app. I want to say it's like 520 calories and like 52 grams of protein, which, you know, gets me a third of the way to where I, you know, and 52 and 150 grams is like higher than I would think most people would necessarily need to be, but it's not that far off, but it gets me a third of the way there versus eating a bowl of cereal or a couple eggs. I love eggs. They're great but they only have five grams of protein per egg. So like if I had a couple eggs, that's going to get me, you know, not that many calories. It's going to leave me hungry and it's not going to get me that much protein. 
And so by optimizing that, and then like my morning snack is either Greek yogurt or cottage cheese. Once again, mm -hmm. high protein per calorie kind of thing. And then for dinner, like we've optimized dinner so that, you know, like last night we had like salmon and roasted potatoes and like a mixed salad and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then we have leftovers that we have for lunch. And so that makes it easy. But if you're someone who has more freedom over your lunch, you don't cook as many leftovers for dinner, lunch would be another option of where you could get more protein when your partner's not as much in the equation, mm. right? Yeah. Because breakfast is usually less of a communal meal and kind of like everybody getting their food in before they get out the door situation. Yeah, no, that's, um, I guess like right now with my current schedule, um, as I mentioned before, uh, my wife, uh, has to leave for work before the girls, uh, wake up. So I don't really get to breakfast until after I'm back from preschool drop off. And on yeah. Wednesdays, when I go into the office, you know, it's, um, I'll usually put like a, um, like today, the breakfast part of what I packed my lunch was a, uh, um, a 200 calorie blueberry, uh, fig bar and a banana. One of the issues yeah. is, and like, I wish I could do, uh, I mean, like your breakfast casserole sounds amazing, but, um, I like don't really remember when this started in my life, but I don't wake up like hungry. I know that, sure. um, you know, I, um, I've, I've heard that, you know, breakfast is supposed to be the largest meal of the day. Then you work it off throughout the day as you are awake. And then, you know, you're supposed to have a lighter dinner, um, because you're just going to like sit on it when you sleep. And that's kind of just like, uh, yeah. you know, you're not doing anything with that, um, with that energy and calories. But honestly, like I, I just like, don't wake up hungry. So I usually have to force myself to eat something for breakfast. And um, a lot of times it's a bagel with cream cheese because we get the bagels at the farmer's market. And I of course hate when the bagels go bad and get moldy and I have to throw that away back to the food waste. But Normally dinner is my biggest meal of the night and, or biggest meal of the day. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know if that the science out there still backs up that it's, uh, you're supposed to go from big to small, or if you're just supposed to, you know, be responsible, but I, again, I, I'm not trying to blame, uh, my wife. I for think my there are plenty of people, food. you know, whether they are like you and they just wake up, not hungry obviously there's a lot of people that do intermittent fasting. And mm -hmm. so they're, you know, let's say they're doing the eight 16 method where they're fasting for 16 hours and doing eight, um, with their eating window. Sure. Like they may not, I did that at one point. I forgot to even include that, but I did that at one point. I didn't see mm -hmm. any demonstrable results from it. Yeah. I tried it too. It didn't really, it didn't really work for me either. I just found myself like, force feeding at like the, at the end of the day, being like stuff yeah. in my face, like before the like time cut off. But I, I will say what I have found that the science supports. And one of the podcasts that I listen to a lot is the Huberman lab. And that is Andrew Huberman. He's a professor at Stanford. For those of you that don't know, it's a very popular podcast. And many of you may know, but he's gone through a lot of this data. And what the data supports is that it's calories in calories out, right? It, the, the, when is, not very important at all. The ideas of metabolisms slowing down and like how active you are, it's, it's calories in calories out when you take in the calories and when you burn the calories at large, it's not going to make a difference. 
And I'll also say when we're talking about protein intake, protein intake was something that I focus on because it helps me not snack as much. When it comes down to the numbers, let's say your daily calorie allotment to lose weight, just to pick an even number, is 2,000 calories. If you eat 2,000 calories of Hershey's bars and you are in a caloric deficit and you burn 2,100 calories over the day, you will lose weight. There is scientific studies to support that like high sugar diets do not impact weight loss when controlled for calories. And I say that because it's really, really hard to feel satisfied and full all day long eating nothing but Hershey's bars, which is Mm -hmm. why it's not a good plan. But for you specifically, I would suggest, you know, like there are things like my casserole. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole to do, but it's, it's freezable. I think there are variations on that that are like breakfast burritos that you can individually wrap in tinfoil, pack in a lunchbox, and then maybe heat in a microwave. Um, Other forms of that are just going really heavy on the deli meats, like lean turkey meat is full of protein, um, those kinds of things. But for weight loss, protein's not as important as just controlling for calories, but protein for me helps me with some of my other goals like building muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, That leads us sort of into our next segment if you will, because it's something that we're going to do every other week. We don't want to inundate you guys with this information, but every other week we are going to check in on our weights. Now, Ethan wants to lose some weight and I'm going to be honest that like I come at this from a healthier place than all the drama I stated at before that I would like to cut some body fat. I mentioned 160 being my wedding weight, 160 being my college weight of like, this is me, this is perfect. That is not it anymore because I have actually went through the process of intuitive eating. I gained weight, but I lifted weights like a madman and I definitely gained some muscle. And so that's not my goal anymore. I'm actually based on where I am today. We're just going to take it pound by pound. We'll see where we go. But we're going to check in every couple of weeks with our weight loss and maybe any new tips and tricks we've tried. So Ethan, do you want to, do you want to kick us off or do you want me to take the lead? No, on this I'll, I'll do it and I'll make it real. Um, so uh, I realized I had forgotten to um, uh, check my weight today um, before getting dressed. So actually right before we reported this reported, recorded this podcast, I uh, ran, ran up stripped down and jumped on the scale cause I wanted a true naked Ethan weight. Wedding sure. ring only was the added weight. Um, there you go. So we'll, we'll take oh, off. Oh, glasses off. I, I can't have okay. anything okay. Uh, impacting okay. this. Um, so I weighed in right before we started recording at 192.6. I am very unhappy with that number. I am no longer 23 and fun employed. And I do not anticipate getting back down to 167 with probably a body... <laughs> fat percentage that was probably close that was probably under 10 percent uh i didn't have a a body fat um uh percentage scale at the time but that in mind i would like to get back in to the 175 range i'm going to make my goal 175 uh for some quick math that is 17 and a half pounds um 17.6 pounds um because I tend to be at my healthiest around that weight. 
the way my body works, if I were to get there, I would also probably clo- be cl- somewhere between 10 to 15% uh, body fat. Um, yeah. I think then I could probably fit into a couple of uh, my suits um, that um, I definitely like. And honestly, I just know uh, when I think about working on the dad bod, it's part of working on this dad pod. And I do, I've got a, uh, a thicker dad bod right now. I would like to get into the slimmer range of the dad of the dad sure. bod, and I think one seventy five. Um, I'm probably going to go a lot heavier on the calorie counting, more um, aggressively than the macros and the specific proteins that you are doing. But I think ultimately, I will find myself like I did that first time um, twelve year twelve to thirteen years ago uh, that. In the, uh, I think uh, the term is uh, one you and I used to discuss more like the volumetric diet, where I want to be able to eat as much as I can with as little calories as I can. And I sure. think I will find myself upping the protein in that sense too. But, well, and but I think 175 is my goal. Yeah. yeah. I, I think for me, that's one of the reasons why I like tried to put on some muscle and like, weight I felt good about and like also just got more at peace with like what I weigh is what I weigh. Like it's fine. And I, I want to say something to people because we've talked a lot about weight loss and, and Ethan mentioned something that reminded me of this of like, that's when I'm at my healthiest. I'm about to spit a hot take at some people and maybe people, maybe it's not that hot of a take, but there are a lot of people out there. We live in an era of body positivity. I'm here for it. I believe that if you love how you look and you are and all the scales and all the measurements say that you're unhealthy and you want to get to a place where you are confident in your body as how it looks, you are perfectly great there. What I will push back on, and this is my hot take, is that like, I don't necessarily agree that it's healthy, but you can do what you want with your life. I'm not here to tell you that you need to lose weight or you need to slim down or you need to change who you are because if you are happy and content, I think that that is paramount. But I think that there are probably a lot of people out there, I myself have gone through these phases of doing things like saying, oh, I'm big boned or I have slow metabolism. I have to tell you, like, I've gone through the data I will try and find some resources to put in these show notes of some of this data, of some of these things, if possible. But from what I have researched, and I encourage you guys to go out there and listen to experts that are way smarter than me on this, I think that there are more people that just are consuming more calories than they're burning, gaining weight, and then finding anything else that they can blame. I think there are people with medical conditions that make it much harder to lose weight, if not impossible. And I think there are people that can pass every other health metric while being overweight, Mm -hmm. high body fat percentage. But I think those people are fewer and further between and they're edge cases. And then they get held up as like, because it's possible, it probably applies to me too. So, you know, I'm just saying that for the people out there, you know, that maybe need a little self-honesty. And I don't yeah. want you to drift into 
weighing out every single almond that you eat or whatever, because I think that you can get you can have unhealthy mental behaviors both ways. Mm-hmm. For me, I weighed myself this afternoon at the gym. I was 185.5 pounds. I am setting my goal. Well, I'm setting my goal at 180. It's not much. It's only five and a half pounds. Um, I'm also counting calories, but unlike before and unlike Ethan, I have my calorie counter. I, I use, I no longer use my fitness pal. I use something called chronometer that I didn't even know existed until we were going to be doing this segment. And I decided that I wanted to be part of it and not just be like, Oh, I'm happy as I am. You know, I, I wanted to contribute to the conversation. I set it to losing one quarter of a pound per week. So I'm at 125 calorie deficit each week. Um, I actually don't hit my calorie totals. Like, like I go under every single day and it's not on purpose. It's because like my calorie goal for today was like 2300 and I just, I, I didn't get there. Like right before we recorded, I downed some Greek yogurt with some honey and stuff. And it was still like, and a beer, you know, still like I'm 150 calories short. But for me, it's a mental thing of like, I don't want to get into this race to thin again, because I've been there too many times. It's not mentally healthy for me. And it's not sustainable. And also, I would say that I go back to this old adage that most of you have probably heard, but like, we as humans overestimate what we can accomplish in a week and underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. If you set if you are trying to track your calories or something to lose weight or any other thing to lose weight, if you set it to half a pound a week over the course of the year, you would lose 26 pounds. If you set it to a quarter pound a week over the course of the year, you would lose 13 pounds, right? If you set it to a pound a week over the course of the year, you would lose 52 pounds. Like the math is not that crazy, but like, we're in a culture where it's like, get fit in six weeks, 90 days to your fab bod. I mean, I mentioned P90X before as something that I've done. And I think it creates these unhealthy and unsustainable habits because then we get to the goal weight and we feel like we're at a finish line instead of building months and years of habits that keep us at that weight without even trying to, which is really my goal. I have cut back on the snacks a little bit, the chips and my wife and kids go to bed before I do. And like the late night, you know, like I'll make myself like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich kind of thing. Like I've cut that out, but because my calorie level is well over 2000 calories, I can look at that and go, I've had lots of food. Like I am not starving myself. I can understand that this is just like a bored binge mm. that I'm going to go on. So, so- I am at 185.5. So if I, if I could just inter, interject for a second, because um, I, I do want to say that um, when I said that I want to get to 175, because that's when I'm at my healthiest, um, right. I, know, I, I just want to let, for the listeners know, because I have gone through the weight fluctuation, like I said, I was 212, I got down to 167, I am now back to 192, this is over a 12-year period, I know right. how my body looks i know how i feel i know that 175 what that means for my body as a 5 8 to 10 um right 35 year old man and um you know i i don't want uh you know i want to get to the point where i'm where where you're at where you know i'm trying to add weight that is muscle 
right now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in good, sh- I'm, I'm like in good shape. I can like, you know, I, I run, I, my regular jog is like 5k in about a half hour. Granted, that's like nine minutes a mile, but you know, like I'm not, I, you know, it's my lunch break. I'm not trying to, uh, well, you know, that's, win, it, and, win and any we'll, records, but yeah. And we can dive into the fitness too, because we are going to do a whole fitness episode. Yeah. But I, I think for me, I, I will say this, like you, you being at 175 and you being your healthiest, and that's what fits your lifestyle. That's perfect. And that's great. I have been 185 before. I was 185 at the end of our senior year. There's a famous picture, not famous. There's a picture that I it's famous famous in my mind. Of us, there's a couple pictures of we actually won a marketing competition. Oh yeah, and we both were. And I look back at those pictures, and like I was wearing this ugly crew neck sweater sweatshirt for so much of that trip because like it hid my gut. And the, the so, pictures us in polo and khakis, like tucked in, and it's just around the belly. Like I looked at that and like hated it, used it motivation. I weighed maybe five pounds more than I do now, and I feel great now. But it's different, mm-hmm. because, like it's a different kind of weight. You, 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 yeah, and I also understand that, like I go to a gym and I work out with barbells and I do things that you don't like, not have access to. But like, it doesn't work in your schedule. You have some dumbbells at home. I was doing the same thing during the pandemic, but like, mm-hmm. and you go running, you don't have access to the same weight training that I do at this stage in your life. Like maybe when the girls are in elementary school together or something, but yeah, I think you can, you can, it's part of me realizing that like weight isn't the only factor because sure. again, I'm not an NFL running back, but like I am heavier, but in better shape than I was yeah. at like 165. And, and that, and that makes total sense. So like, you know, I, as you know, I've recently over the last seven months gotten into a lot of like sports betting and there is like, uh, the odds to me, yeah. 175, that's, that is not just a weight that is like, yeah. I know if I got there, I would be eating better. I would be working right. out regularly. I would, uh, feel better. And I, the way that my body has worked my entire life is that, I actually can pinpoint my health based on a number, not just in terms of weight, but just like how it impacts my lifestyle. And, you know, so, so, you know, would I be totally happy at like 180? Absolutely. But if in my mind I can do 175, that gives me a little bit more leeway and I'm probably going to try to get back up to 180 kind of thing. Well, and the, other, like, the other thing I'll say to you and to everybody else is like your weight can fluctuate up to mm-hmm. five pounds over the course of a day. So like if you yeah. woke up tomorrow and weighed yourself, you may be in the one eighties. Like, yeah. no, yeah. I, I very, think very, very possibly like you go to sleep um, and you wake out. up, you, you stretch out, but also, you go a long time, your body is burning calories, like just mm-hmm. existing. Like yeah. most people think like you can't, we can get into the workout episode, but most of your, most of your calorie expenditure is just your body existing. Like mm-hmm. I plugged it into my calorie calculator, like my lying in bed all day, like Charlie buckets, grandparents style, 1800 calories. 
1800 calories out the window, just existing, not moving an inch all day. Mm. So there, there is like a lot of that going on, but I think that, yeah, you, you have to do what's right for you. But I would say on the weight front, there are several ways you can go about it. I spent a long time not weighing myself because I was trying to repair my relationship with food and I didn't want my weight to impact that healing process that I was going through. But if you are going to weigh yourself, there's several ways you can do it. I aim to weigh myself about once a week and track trends over time. Mm-hmm. You can weigh yourself daily. If you weigh yourself daily, I would recommend, or even if you weigh yourself weekly, I would recommend the same day at the same time under the same conditions if possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you can did it naked. I do it at the gym. I don't own a scale at my house. I own a scale for food, but it only goes up to like five, six pounds. But I weigh myself at the gym, so I have to have my clothes on. I calibrate for that. I take off two and a half pounds for the weight of the clothes. But if you're going to weigh yourself every day, what I would highly recommend to you or anybody that would weigh themselves daily is to then take your seven-day average and then track your seven-day average week over week to get a better sense so that you're not getting disheartened because you're two pounds heavier on Friday than you were on Thursday, even though you thought you did everything right. Yep. And that, and I've uh, definitely, um, that's happened to me before. I'm definitely going to go the, uh, I've done that way where like, I, like I got to a point at some points in my life where it was like, I'd go take a big dump and come back to the scale and be like, how'd I do? I'm like, that wasn't work. No, that's just, that's just fun. That's what boys do. Like now, now (laughs) you know, but that's, it it, it can, it it absolutely can get unhealthy and toxic, but we have, we've been, we've been going a while on this. We can probably touch on some of this during the exercise episode as well. Um, I know I've been talking a bunch, but thank you guys for working on the dad pod with us. If you have any questions about weight loss or dieting or any of the things that I mentioned, I will try to link some, I didn't touch on it, but my wife has a great episode about a way to essentially get yourself into a calorie deficit without tracking your calories, um, which I think is a pretty unique concept that I can go, I'll post that on social media as well, like maybe do a TikTok about it. But if you have any questions, reach out. What we will probably do is point you to resources that are much wiser than us who have, for lack of a better term, yo-yo dieted for most of our adult life. Um, But we can help point you in the right direction because I spend a lot of time thinking about this and going to resources that I trust, some of which I can also plug in the show notes. Ethan, you got anything else to add? Just glad we finally got to the point where uh, we explained our punny name. Yeah, as a podcast, um, working on the dad pod. Is, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, no, this is um, this was good. Um, I'm embarrassed. I'm not gonna lie. I personally am embarrassed by what uh, the number said on the scale today because I thought I was doing a little bit better. Um, but I am happy I put it out there because now it's in the universe. You've all heard it. All millions of you have heard it, and I. Um, I owe it to you to live up to my word and I owe it to myself uh, because, and to my daughters because that's why we're doing this. So um, yeah, man, I got nothing else. All right. Thanks guys for working on the dad pot with us. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. Bye. Everybody. 
Thanks for working on the Dad Pod with us. Any resources that we mentioned during the show will be in the show notes. If you have questions, thoughts, or just want to talk with us, the best place is in the comments on YouTube. We're on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Threads at Working on the Dad Pod, and on Twitter at Working on Dad Pod. Following and subscribing is always appreciated. Please rate and review us. That helps get the show to new people. And if you know a dad who would enjoy our show, sharing it with them is a huge help to them and us. Have a great week. Thank you.